Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. tuning in to our monthly segment with Robert Rosenthal, MD, on A Course in Miracles. Today we will be exploring what the atonement is and what it means, and Dr. Bob will give a brief talk on that subject. We will have some discussion, and if you have a question, feel free to give us a call at area code 347-934-0751. Press 1 to get into the call queue, but I have an interesting piece of information to share When you press 1, if you do not hear the Blog Talk Radio voice say you are now in the host queue, then that means you are not in the queue and I cannot see that you have a question. So if you do not hear that voice, either press 1 again or merely hang up and dial again. When you hear that voice, you will be visible to me in the show's console. I hope uh, that information uh, was succinct. So welcome back to the show, Dr. Bob. It's great to be together again. Thank you. After our July break, uh, it's great to be back uh, as well. Yeah. Yes. It definitely felt like something was missing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, so, well, this is a huge topic, and it's one that I think causes a lot of confusion. So why don't you take it away and begin at the beginning? All right. So, um, Shar and I both felt uh, that the atonement as a concept was well worth diving into. Um, and Shar's absolutely correct. This is one that I think is widely misunderstood. So stay tuned, and we'll do our best to, um, to shed some light on it. So okay. where, where, to, where to start? Um, I, I think the best place to start is to start with the world's view of what atonement is and means. Now, being Jewish, I have a particular uh, perspective on it because we Jews celebrate an actual Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, which follows very closely on the Jewish New Year, usually in the fall. Uh, I think it's going to be later September this year. And on the Day of Atonement, we search back over the year for all of our, our sins, our transgressions, any place that we you know, failed to live up to what God asks of us. And, um, and, 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 and we ask for atonement from that. We're also fasting, um, not eating any, any food, not letting any water pass our lips, uh, not even brushing our teeth, uh, which makes for an interesting experience in the synagogue. Um, but uh, the idea here is we're emptying out everything from the old year, purifying in order to create an open space 
for that which is new in the coming year, where hopefully we'll, we'll do a better job. So atonement as the world understands it, you know, is the process of expiating sin. I've committed sin. I'm a bad boy or girl. Um, I hope God forgives me. If God doesn't, God might punish me. Um, and so I quake and I ask for atonement and pretty much it. Now, the A Course in Miracles, as it does with so many concepts, goes in a completely different direction while using the same language. And um, I emphasize this over and over again. The voice of the Course, um, which did identify itself as the voice of Jesus, says essentially, here's what you think I said, or here's you know, what, what the Bible tells us. Here's what I really intended you to take from that. So if atonement is, is, is kind of the, the release from sin, then we have to ask ourselves, well, in the Course, what does sin mean? Uh, and the Course is very clear on this. Sin is, 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 is all derived from the separation from God. Uh, and it's simply everything that results when we start to believe that we're an illusion, not a reality, when we start to believe uh, and allow our ego mind to make decisions for us instead of the Holy Spirit, um, that, you know, this is all sin is. Sin is error. And indeed, many of you probably know that is the derivative of the word sin. It comes from sinistra, uh, which is identified with left-handedness. But it's just simply straying from the mark, um, being, being errant, wandering off the path of, of, of truth and of your best self. So, you know, from that perspective, atonement is the release from the error of the separation, the error in identification of who we are. Well, how do we undo that error? The Course says, well, this is where atonement comes in. Um, and the atonement, as, the cor- as A Course in Miracles would define it, is a grand plan that sits beyond time. And there's this whole thing was created and took place in the fraction of an instant that the separation did, if you can envision that. And yet the atonement stretches into the world of time and takes place inside in order to allow us to undo error and, uh, and, in that sense, undo sin. It's the release from sin. Now, the Course is clear that <clears throat> both the Holy Spirit and the Christ mind are in charge of the atonement. We are not. The Course makes clear that the atonement is an all-inclusive um, program, which is to say, sitting at the end of time, it's already been completed. You know, God is one. God never changed. Um, God uh, really, according to the Course, has absolutely nothing to do with the world of time and illusion that we're in, except that God, in his, her, its infinite wisdom, instantly gave us a path home, which we can take all the time in the world to follow, literally all the time in the world, uh, because time is an illusion, too. So whether you're the slowest learner on the planet and it takes you several eons to uh, finally wake up, or whether you're one of those rare souls that gets it in an instant uh, and, uh, and then you know, shares it, uh, really doesn't matter because from the perspective of the end game, it's already done. So atonement is the completion of 
of the path of healing, of forgiveness. Uh, the Course actually says that healing is atonement. It also says that forgiveness is atonement. And I think this is where people get confused. It's sort of like, well, you know, if they're all the same, then why talk about them? But remember, the very introduction to the Course is essentially three lines that, that covers the whole Course. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And the remaining, you know, 1,249 pages are just an elaboration on that. So the Course is wonderful at, in a sense, almost distracting our ego minds by giving us what seem to be different concepts, healing, forgiveness, atonement, all of which, as we move into a place of understanding, um, we begin to see that they're, you know, that they're all one. Um, it's a little bit like that old uh, joke about the three blind men feeling the different parts of the elephant. You know, one feels the trunk, one feels the legs, and one feels the tail, and they each come up with a different uh, impression of what the elephant is. Um, but it's actually much more than that because this elephant doesn't even have a separate tail, legs, and uh, trunk. It, it, it's all the same thing. So let's go through this for a second. If healing, forgiveness, and atonement are one, um, what are... You know, why give us those particular distinctions? I think for most of us, when we think about healing, we think about the physical body. And the physical body, um, the Course tells us, is the symbol of the ego, just as the ego is the symbol of the separation. So the healing of the physical body at one level is the rudimentary, I am sick, help me spirit, help me doctor, help me someone. I, I don't know how to get out of this on my own. Um, that leads us into broader realms of healing in which we ultimately begin to discover that the ills of our body are, in fact, reflections of the ills of our mind. So think about that for a second. I'll say it again. The ills of our body are actually the ills of our mind. And again, the Course tells us, you know, seek not to change the world, seek to change your mind about the world. Well, that includes your body. You know, that includes your body. So think about healing as perhaps that, that subsection of atonement that focuses particularly on the distortion, the illusion that you're a physical body uh, and not the Son of God. Forgiveness? Well, Forgiveness starts with the idea of grievances, which is also rooted in bodies. Because if we believe that we're a body and someone else is a different body, and that our bodies are competing for limited resources on this, this, this planet that will kill us if we, uh, if we aren't careful, then all of a sudden we're living in a world of attack and defense, uh, and we have to uh, make sure that we get ours. Um, and, 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 and so forgiveness is the undoing of the perception of a grievance where we think someone else actually has the ability to hurt us, to damage us, to insult or shame us. Um, this can only be in the world of the ego mind. I mean, think about it. If, if you're God and the Son of God and all you are is a vast, limitless oneness that's pure love, how can anything interfere with that in any way? You know, how can there be shame in the oneness of love? How can there be damage or hurt? You know, oneness is one. Um, it, 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 it's, it's actually a very, very powerful concept, um, and I hope to be writing about it at some point soon. So forgiveness is the undoing of the illusion of separation, and the Course tells us that's rooted in the past. 
It also says that the atonement is about undoing the past. So again, here's, here's a connection. Undoing the past means just recognizing that time itself is an illusion, that in the reality that is the oneness of God, there is only an eternal present. I mean, what else could be eternal but the present? Um, we talked a little bit about this in our show on time. Uh, and therefore, when we realize that neither we nor our brothers truly are chained to the past and we can let it go, then indeed we have forgiven them. So I think forgiveness is kind of that refraction of the idea of the atonement that allows us to begin to first free our brothers from the perceived grievances that we think they've done to us and that we, of course, have also done to them. Uh, and then secondarily, to take um, a much bigger step and truly love our brothers, our neighbors, as ourself, as ourself. Not love them as you would love yourself. <laughs> Heck, I'd say most of us don't love ourselves terribly well. But no, love them as in recognition of the, that they are part of the one self. So the atonement is the unification of all of this. And again, you know, A Course in Miracles, it's such a beautiful philosophical system. It says the atonement is the only thing that we can all join in uh, with perfect inclusiveness because it's the only aspect of the physical reality we live in that in fact has any reality to it at all. Now, the atonement is the Holy Spirit's plan for forgiveness. What does that mean? Because it's very easy to hear that and go to kind of a almost Calvinistic place of, all right, everything in your life is scripted. Um, many course students actually do believe this. And, you know, the things that are going to happen to you are foreordained to happen to you. And, um, you know, uh, you don't really have any choice from that perspective. And yet the Course is so totally clear that the power of decision is our one remaining choice. <clears throat> so I, look, I like to look at the plan of atonement in the following way. From the end point of time, it's all perfectly written. It's there. It's done. Uh, and from that end point, yep, you probably can see how each individual seeming soul, each fragment from the totality that is the sonship and the Son of God, uh, found its way along an individual path back to God. But from where we sit, we don't know how that's going. We have, to, we have to make those decisions. We have to look at our unloving thoughts, our unforgiving thoughts. We have to look at our thoughts of attack, our thoughts of judgment, um, our thoughts of illness and scarcity and inferiority and guilt. Guilt is a huge one. Um, and when these come up, we have to be able to give them over, so to speak, to um, Holy Spirit. So the plan of atonement is simply the grand holographic dance by which all of this transpires within the world of illusion, even though it is already complete and stands outside uh, the world of illusion. So um, could go on, but I want to just offer <laughs> everyone who's listened to me at all knows that I'm very fond of um, metaphors and parables. So I want to just offer a metaphor uh, for the atonement uh, and uh, a little tongue-in-cheek. But So imagine for a moment that you have been offered this huge, 
amazing all-inclusive vacation package. They pay for the flight. They pay for the hotel. They pay for all your food where you're going. They guarantee you perfect weather. They'll take care of tips, incidentals, um, and any side trips that might be required. Uh, and, and they guarantee that this will be absolutely the best journey that you've ever taken in your life. Who wouldn't sign up for that kind of a vacation package? Well, I'll tell you who wouldn't. The ego wouldn't, because the ego looks at it and goes, wait a minute, what's the catch? There's, there's got to be a catch here. Um, what is it going to demand of me? What is it going to ask of me? Uh, where do I have to sacrifice? And in point of fact, there is one so-called catch, and that is you have to let go of what you think is control and your planning and trust that, that the, the trip organizer, the tour guide, knows you far better than you know yourself and will custom design the perfect package for you. But that means letting go of everything, all the little details, all the big details, trusting that there is a grand plan for this vacation, and all you have to do is to remember to step back and let the tour guide lead the way. Now, that sounds like a pretty good deal, except that, once again, the ego sort of tiptoes in and goes, well, you know, but wait a minute, what if I have a, a really lousy waiter and um, he treats me poorly and I want to leave him a bad tip? Um, you know, what if I don't like the water one day? What if there's too much seaweed in it? What if the menu selection at dinner one night doesn't have what I want to eat? And the ego starts to add all of these qualifications that, that cause it to say, you know, I, I really can't give that up. <clears throat> You're asking too much of me. It, it's too much of a sacrifice. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so... The ego says, we're not going to take this trip. And yet, if you're able to sign on, and of course you can sign on in any given moment, you do indeed get to discover that this is a significantly better um, tour company than anyone you've ever taken before, that the details really are all arranged for you, that you can let go and let God, as the 12-steppers would call it, um, that you can step back and let him lead the way. Uh, so the plan of atonement is, is kind of this great big huge package deal that you can decide to sign on to in any given moment. And even if you get lost and wander off the reservation, off the tour, all you have to do is recognize that you've done that and make a decision to go back, and they'll take you back. There's no penalty. There's no loss. Uh, in fact, that's how we learn because we frequently find ourselves wandering off uh, into byways and, 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 you know, bad alleys and places uh, in, in, in this world that, uh, that really aren't good for us. And the final thing I'd offer in this metaphor is, okay, so this is a vacation package, but with this vacation package, instead of the vacation ending and now you go home to what feels terrible, the vacation is home what you don't realize is you've been on a trip. You've been on the worst trip that you could ever imagine, uh, especially because it ends in death, or at least your ego is, thinks that. Uh, and the vacation itself actually is home. So the atonement is this wonderful package where is the, the moment you sign on with full willingness, because as the Course tells us, as the, course tells us the atonement is a total commitment. 
That is to say, you can't add qualifiers and you know clauses. Well, but subclause B, I'll, I'll do this part of the trip, but um, no, I want to pick my own hotel room. No, you you take it all, or if you try to change one thing, you lose it all. Because the one thing you try to change means that you have valued some aspect of the ego's world. You valued some aspect of illusion more than you value God's reality, and therefore you can't have God's reality. You've made a choice against it. But since God's reality is all that is, it's always there for you to change your mind. So, um, you know, the plan of atonement awaits us. It welcomes us. It's been there, the Course tells us, since before the start of time and stands at the end of time. In other words, the atonement, it bookends all of time. It embraces it. There never was a time on the planet when the atonement wasn't there and available to us. The Course also tells us that it wasn't actually put into operation, though, uh, until Jesus of Nazareth, who was the first person to wake up to his particular role in the atonement, um, put it into play simply by waking up and fulfilling his part. And the implication is that since then, many other people, many other beings have done that too. So on that note, Char, um, comments, thoughts? Uh, I know, you know we were talking before the show and you had a lot of um, really cool ideas, so um, let me step back and let you lead the way. Okay. Um, that was fantastic. And, of course, you know, yeah, you, you do – you like metaphor and, and you love it, but so do I, and I, and I, I know the listeners do as well. So, of course, that was um, very well strung together in a linear format for something that Thank we're you. trying to explain that is not linear, you know? Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And what, I, what I'd like to touch on, because what we're referencing, ladies and gentlemen, is Chapter 2 in A Course in Miracles, the separation and the atonement. And there are quite a few different sections. We do not have time available to explore the whole chapter. However, I would like to touch on some concepts and add uh, to what Dr. Bob said. First thing I want to start with um, is that Course describes uh, in the first section of Chapter 2, The Origins of Separation, that the Garden of Eden or rather the pre-separation condition, was a state of mind in which nothing was needed. Once Adam listened to the lies of the serpent, which is, I will equate with us, believing in a misperception and, and taking it to be true, that is us taking a, either someone else's miscreation or their projections, accepting them as truth, and then reacting to them in a way that we think we may be extending, however, we're only projecting our own fear, and that's why everything seems so chaotic. Um, it says, these re related distortions represent a picture of what actually occurred in the separation or the, quote, detour into fear. So then, like Dr. Bob was saying, the vacation he described, that's home. The detour we took is this horrible trip that we're on that is so difficult to figure out. But as A Course in Miracles states throughout, it's not difficult, only different. So I'd like to move on now to the body as described in this chapter. And it says, the body cannot create, and the belief that it can, a fundamental error, produces all physical symptoms. Now, Dr. Bob was talking about illness. It also mentions that the purpose of miracles is to correct levels. So if we look at it in terms of levels, and 
let's use um, my favorite verbiage, on PEMS levels, physical and mental and emotional. The miracle then corrects these levels. We can have emotional disquiet, mental confusion, and physical illness. But if we correct one, then there will be a subsequent healing on the other levels because they're interrelated and everything is all one. It says, all healing is essentially the release from fear. It moves on to say, only the mind can create because spirit has already been created and the body is a learning device for the mind. And what that means is, as we often state on the show, if you're a consistent listener, is that I say that the body is a reflection of the mind. But because the body reflects the mind, it is also a learning device for the mind. So we can look to our body as a barometer as to what is, what's the right word? What is not right-minded about what we're thinking or perceiving or believing? And then if we open ourselves to correction of that thought, then the body would then subsequently heal. Because that is the law and that is the function of the body. It is merely a learning device. And it says, the body, if properly understood, shares the invulnerability of the atonement to two-edged application. And what it means by two-edged is that often we try to use the atonement as a means of defense. This is impossible, however, because its only result can be healing. So the two-edged analogy comes in where we can basically try to use it in dualistic fashion, as the ego is wants to do. However, and it states, let me find it. It states that it can, it, yeah. when we when we turn around and try to use it as an, a defense against another brother or sister, it can very quickly turn against us. So we can try to misshape and misuse its purpose. However. Once we try to attempt that and realize that we've made a mess of things, that's when we see our error in judgment for the use of atonement or forgiveness, as it states. I want to move on to the idea of readiness. The course yeah, that's talks about, yes, the course talks about us as um, healers and miracle workers, which is what we should all, all aspire to be. But it says the healer who relies on his own readiness is endangering his understanding. You are perfectly safe as long as you are completely unconcerned about your readiness, but maintain a consistent trust in mine. So when, the, when fears jump in, and perhaps we say, I want to get married, and then you say, oh, well, I'm not ready. I want to be a parent, but I'm not ready. I need a new job. I think I better stay here for a while longer. Readiness is, is not... That readiness is basically just a way for us to hold ourselves back. So what Jesus is saying is when you trust in my readiness, you are at the, the point, he would call it energetic preparedness, to embark on that new journey. And he goes on to state that um, discomfort is aroused only to bring the need for correction into awareness. So what it's saying in this section is when we experience fear or trepidation, that's a clue right there that a thought needs to be corrected. Because if you're fearful, you're out of control. You are not in your right mind because you believe in the value of what that fear might do to you. And Dr. Bob mentioned in his talk about a waiter who treats you badly. In section, I'd like to address that by mentioning this. 
in section 5, the function of the miracle worker. It says, again, I'll touch on that, correction belongs at the thought level. It is obvious then that inducing the mind to give up its miscreations is the only application of creative ability that is truly meaningful. Egocentricity and fear usually occur together. I don't want to read the complete sentence. I want to throw out these very profound statements. As long as your sense of vulnerability persists, you should not attempt to perform miracles. Further down, it mentions, I love this, all forms of not right-mindedness are the result of refusal to accept the atonement for yourself. If you, do not, if you do accept it, listen very closely, you are in a position to recognize those who need healing, which I would aim that spotlight on the fictitious waiter who mistreats you, or if anybody mm-hmm. who can be rude. Then if you do not recognize that as a cry for help, your, your mind is in the same state theirs is. Does that make sense? Bob, would you like to elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah. Um. Yeah, um, I, I'm listening to you and I'm going, oh, shoot, I forgot the absolute most important aspect, which is, uh, and the Course says this in a couple of different places, you know, the sole purpose of the miracle worker, that would be you, me, and everyone, uh, is to accept the atonement for himself. The sole purpose mm-hmm. of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. You know, in other words, Anything else that you think you're about, anything else that you think you're supposed to be doing that isn't really accepting atonement uh, is, is a diversion, a block, and you're saying to God, no, I, I, I have a better plan than yours. Uh, so, yeah, if you get hooked into finding what's wrong out there, either in the world or with other people, then you have, in a sense, how to put it, you, you've changed the locus for where, um, you've shifted the locus for where change can take place. If it's out in the world, there really isn't anything you can do about it except by acting out in the world through your physical body because the ego's view is that there is a, a, a real world out there and it's populated by other bodies and that nasty waiter deserves a corrective experience and I will give that to him by leaving him a 10% tip, and that will show him, and maybe next time he'll behave a little bit nicer to, um, you know, to his customers. But there's a f- that's a phenomenal uh, misunderstanding to believe that you have to work it through the outer world, because there is no outer world. The, you know, perception is a mirror, not a fact, one of my favorite quotes in the course from Lesson 304. Um, and once we realize that, you change the shift has to be in your mind, which is simply, okay, I need to get back on board the cruise ship uh, and accept atonement for myself. Um, does that, I mean, you know, there are a lot of place, places I could go. Uh, you raised a lot of good points, but let me just bounce that back to you. Does that make sense? Was that clear? Of course. Yes, I just... You know, when when we get on the air and when I'm sitting here with this book in front of me and I'm absorbing <laughs> yeah. all the energy from the words and I start to feel that we, – we talked about this. We start to get a little dizzy. Uh, like, and, and now I'm even wondering if I heard you correctly because I'm floating on everything that you said. Um, okay. Does that make sense? I can't even yeah. respond intelligently at this point because I'm well, so me, 
yeah, let me let me keep going then. Um, okay. So that yeah. So this is this is the beauty of this system uh, is it's very simple. It's very clear cut. You only have one role, one task, and if you are in line with that task and allowing the atonement principle to work through you, which allows you to become a miracle worker, then you are doing your job, you are waking up, everyone around you is waking up. If you're doing anything else, then you are not waking up, you are wasting time, quite literally you are wasting time, because the only genuine purpose of time is, is to bring us to the place of awakening, um, and you know, you're, you're lost for a while. Um, but remember, I said earlier, the, the potential is, is always there to come back. So it, it's a very, very simple choice. The last section of the text of A Course in Miracles is titled, Choose Once Again. That's all you have to remember. It was one of Bill Thetford's favorite sections, um, by the way. Mm. In any given moment where you wander off, choose once again. Now, let me just sort of take this in a little bit of a different direction, because the ego... You know, our minds are, are deeply cunning and crafty, and the ego will find a way. You know, it's sort of like ivy. Give it a little bit of a crevice, and it's going to get in there and start to, you know, break up the, uh, the edifice, break up the building there. So the ego looks at this and goes, oh, my God, that's all I have to do? Give up my sense of self, let go? And, and you know, the answer is, well, yeah, because it doesn't work. It doesn't make you happy. But the Course is very clear that the plan of atonement and this, this addresses the readiness idea, will never take you in a direction that causes fear. It can't. It literally cannot. Um, when, when it talks about atonement as not being vulnerable to it, it's not a double-edged sword. It can't hurt you uh, while it seems to be protecting you, which is the case for all other defenses, and I can talk about that in a minute. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what, what it means is... Is that um, ah, I lost the, my, the place in my head? Um, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get into these these lofty ideas, and uh, but what what it means is you can only go as far as you're comfortable with. Another of my favorite lines: "Fear not; you will not be hurled into reality." Uh, mm. Nobody's gonna. God isn't gonna swoop down and say, "Wake up! I'm taking your body away from you," because we would interpret that as dying. And, and that mm -hmm. would bring on about fear. So, again, the beauty of the atonement is this, this perfect custom-designed program of enlightenment that is exquisitely attuned to you and what you need. And I'll, and I'll give you a good example of that. You know, I'm here now. I'm taking a teaching role in A Course in Miracles. I've been doing the course, practicing it, and practicing it, by and large, fairly diligently for um, two-thirds of my adult life, so almost 40 years. Uh, why didn't I take a teaching role before? Well, you know, yeah, I taught in groups that I was in, but the reason is very simple. The readiness wasn't there. It would have caused too much fear. Um, the response to that fear probably would have been some form of ego aggrandizement, you know, uh -huh. up my chest, look at me, I'm such a great course teacher. Uh, I wasn't ready. I also couldn't integrate some of the principles. Uh, you know, I'm not a body, I am free, you know, or I want a holy relationship. You know, go back to being 25, 30 years old. No, darn it, I want a special relationship uh, because they're special. You know, you have to live <laughs> for a bit of time to see that the ego's trinkets 
really will never satisfy. So the atonement is perfect because once we choose to accept it and choose again and choose again, we won't be brought into fear. We'll get what we're ready for at the time we're ready for it and never a moment more. And when we go off, as you point, as the, the section you read, um, the world is the perfect feedback mechanism. Mm-hmm. Many times the Course will point out, how do you feel? So if you're not at peace, in fact, I think it says something like if you're not at perfect peace, then you've chosen an unforgiving thought. Mm-hmm. You've bought into illusion. You've valued the body. So, um, you know, we have this instantaneous feedback system through our emotional system that tells us, oh, okay, you know, I wandered off. Um, I live in New Jersey and the roads here don't do this, but I know in California and Arizona and probably in Florida because in all the warm places where you don't need snow plows, as you start to wander off the road, there are those little bumps that, you know, kind of thump your car and let you know, hey, dude, you're drifting. Oh, um, the rumble that, strip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, see, there's even a name for it. I, living in New Jersey, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> but, but that wakes us up. It says, oh, wait a minute, what's happening? Um, it can be scary at first. Wait, yeah. do I have a flat tire? No, it, it's simply feedback that says, you're wandering off the road. You know, readjust your steering, get back on the road. Mm-hmm. Anytime we're experiencing pain, hurt, shame, guilt, sickness, any of these emotions that are of the ego, it, it's simply a sign that we've chosen the wrong teacher, that we're not, you know, that we've wandered from our wonderful vacation package, which is really home. Um, and lost ourselves in illusion. And therefore, all we have to do is, is, is choose once again. This actually dovetails with From Plagues to Miracles, where I make the point that, um, you know, in the book of Exodus, when we follow ego mind, what do we get? We get plagues. Uh, and as many as we need before we realize, oh, I think this is a bad part of town. Let me turn around and go someplace nicer. When mm-hmm. we operate from the Moses mind, what do we get? We get miracles. And they don't just help us. They go out into the world and are used by Holy Spirit and the Christ mind, the, the one mind of the sonship. They're taken wherever they're needed, wherever there is an opening. Basically, mm-hmm. wherever any of our brothers actually do have some readiness. Now, I just love that concept because it says to me, if I'm having a holy instant, it isn't just whoopee, I feel really good, Um, you know, I got free of the chains of time. It's that my holy instant opens a door for anyone else on the whole planet to follow me there. And I don't have to know they're there. Um, Sometimes, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, um, but sometimes I will get images of people that I don't know. I'll have dreams at night that, like, what the heck was that about? You know, I wasn't in it. They're just random people. I, I, I think this is about, you know, our own acceptance of the plan for atonement sort of seeping through the world of physicality and helping other people get there and the same thing the flip side is true as well when someone else gets there the door is open for us and the beauty is as the course tells us jesus of nazareth got there i believe the buddha got there i believe that there are many many um wonderful christian mystics uh and and mystics from you know uh, islamic mystics that got there Mm. Uh, you know, Julian of Norwich, uh, Meister Eckhart. Um, this trail has been blazed, and the more of us who walk down it, the wider it gets and the easier it is to spot. And that's mm. our job, and that's why 
the path of atonement is for us, and that's why we choose. Okay, so mm-hmm. I spoke a little more than I intended to, um, but, you know, hey, it was flowing. It's um, okay. I enjoyed it. Okay, good. No, good. never never stifle that fire hydrant. <laughs> <laughs> never try to turn off a fire hydrant with your hands. Number one, it won't work. Number two, your hands are going to be very sore, and that's an illusion. Good point. I like to think of it as too as um, as a waterfall. It's it's kind of like you know if you let that water flow, uh, it can create energy. You know, um, you don't yeah. have to dam it up, of course. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a, and that's a great metaphor for what we're saying is when you go with the flow and but go with the real flow, not an illusioned one. I loved what you said. The first phrase you said the e- we're going to believe in the ego's trinkets. I yes. think that's <laughs> magical. I think that's great because the ego, like picture. Picture uh, I, the reference I'm seeing is a cat chasing that laser on the wall, <laughs> and that's, and that's how the ego keeps you distracted and occupied and not seeing the truth that it, it is an illusion and not an actual physical dot on the wall. And then you went and said that um, we get plagues. You know what Dr. Bob is saying is we experience painful situations. But that brings me back around to the statement that discomfort is aroused only to bring the need for correction into awareness. But the Course states it must be corrected at the proper level, which is the level of thought, not the level of symptom, which would represent the physical body. So it can only be corrected at the level of thought, which is the creative power and the causal, the causal agent to our experiences. So when we correct those thoughts, and give those misperceptions to God or to Jesus or place them with the Holy Spirit to correct, which is his job, we can then see healing manifest. But I love how you use those phrases. You come up with all these great phrases. I wanted to mention also, when we're talking about the ego, and people might listen to us and say, well, how could I, how do I perceive between illusion and truth? This statement yeah. might help you with that confusion. As long as you believe in what your physical sight tells you, your attempts at correction will be misdirected. And what that means is don't believe anything you see and only half of what you hear. Ask for <laughs> truth. Invite Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in and say, correct my perceptions. What am I actually seeing here? What is this for? And this is the section in the chapter where that concept is really explored in asking about a situation. Not why which God can't answer, that denotes deserving, which is, that is not the case. What is this for? And then once we realize the purpose in a situation, we then know what thought or belief we need to correct. Is, does that make sense so far? Yeah. And, you know, what is it for ties in with the whole feedback? How do you feel? Um, are you using it for the purpose of forgiveness, for the purpose of healing? Or are mm-hmm. you using it uh, for anything else? Exactly. And so it does provide a remedy. I would like to add, there is someone on the line, but I do not see that there is a question. So if if you're holding and you have a question, please press number one on your keypad. And when I see the question mark appear, I'll know that you, in fact, have a question. I'd like to avoid uncomfortable situations where I I think, oh, a question, and they say, no, I just wanted to listen. I don't want to. (laughs) I I don't want to shock them in that way, and and I would like to keep going if that's the case. Right, um, right. So if if you're holding and you have a question, make sure I can see you by pressing number one, and you hear you are now in the host queue in that lovely English accent. So I wanted to move on to the remedy, and then finally 
before we end the show, I want to talk about The Last Judgment, which is another majorly confused concept that many of us hold, and I'll just say, I'll just blame it on the Catholics. <laughs> I can, I'm Catholic, so I can do that. So I'm blaming the Catholics for the misperception about the Last Judgment. But thankfully, Jesus, Helen Schuckman, and Dr. Thetford took the time to write this so that they can correct our misperceptions about it, and I want to talk about that. That sound all right, Bob? Um, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, indeed, talk about, uh, you know, the final place in the plan of atonement, which is the last judgment, last because there's no need for anything to come after it, mm-hmm. uh, and how that got turned into this this horrific image of, of fear and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I mean, yeah, let's definitely, uh, you know, spend a few moments on that. Okay. Well, I do like the section, I love this section, the special principles of miracle workers in section 5. Again, it's chapter 2. I like this because mm. it, it, it gives me peace when I feel confused or afraid or down or am I, is God proud of me? Like, so I'll go through that. Like, am I, am I making God proud? Did I do the best I could? Did I respond to that person with complete respect and extend forgiveness? You know, all those things. And that's the ego using A Course in Miracles against you. But it says you can do much on behalf of your own healing and that of others if, in a situation calling for help, you think of it this way. And this is what always brings me back to center. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do, because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. And that gives such a sense of peace that, you know what? I'm only here to be truly helpful. I am here to serve. And if I'm worried about anything else, I've stepped off, I've stepped off my understanding of who I am and why I'm here in this body at this time. But Jesus goes yep. on to say in, in the May next... May I just un- say one thing? Oh, sure. I'm sorry to cut in, but... No problem. If you're going to memorize one thing from the Course, if you're a student of the Course, even if you're not, even if you find the Jesus stuff just like way too much and, you know, you, you had too much of an evangelical background or Jewish or whatever, um, that prayer is ecumenical. And if you apply that in any situation where you feel fear or shame or sadness or anger, I'm here only to be truly helpful. I'm here to represent him who sent me, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you will find that the results are amazing. So my you know, my one big take-home would be homework, guys. Go home and memorize that. <laughs> All right. Sorry for cutting in, but I, I, I think it's just – it's one of the, the, the places in the course that just offers us words, symbols of symbols, words, but words which can really transform our experience. Yes, and never apologize for cutting in because we're both being okay. guided. <laughs> you know, just say, hey, you know, let, let, me say, let me add to that. and No worries. But yes, I took that a step further. I typed it up, I printed it out, and it's on my wall. Better. Perfect. That's my guidepost. That's, that's my guidepost that I, if I'm feeling out of sorts and I'm not at peace, to some extent, I just look over at that. And uh, Dr. Bob's words are true. Read that, and you will feel an ease come over your mind, and you will feel it in the physical body. It does work. But I love that he provides a remedy for this condition of the mind, be it fearful, anger, any, 
any condition of the mind that is not peaceful falls under the umbrella of fear because there's only two emotions, fear and love. So, goes on to say, whenever you are afraid, it is a sure sign that you have allowed your mind to miscreate and have not allowed me to guide it. It is pointless to believe that controlling the outcome of misthought can result in healing. When you are fearful, you have chosen wrongly. This is why you feel responsible for it. It goes on to say, you do not need guidance except at the mind level. Correction belongs only at the level where change is possible, and that's where I was talking about the causal level. Yes. Um, the correction of fear is, and this is important, the correction of fear is your responsibility. When you ask for release from fear, you are implying that it is not. And it's saying, when you ask to be released from fear, like take this away from me or get this off me, you're basically Im- implying that it's not your responsibility. You should ask, instead, for help in the conditions that have brought the fear about. These conditions always entail a willingness to be separate. At the level you can help it. You are much too tolerant of mind-wandering and are passively condoning your mind's miscreations. So, if you are sure... Oh, it says, before you choose to do anything, ask me if your choice is in accord with mine. If you are sure that it is, there will be no for, no fear. So what we, what we want to do is take each of our thoughts and each of our perceived decisions, place it in his hands, let him choose, let him miscorrect and give it back to us so that we can experience peace. Yes. And, Anything you want know, to add, Bob? Yeah. There, there are people, um, you know, being a psychiatrist, I work with people who are fairly obsessive compulsive, and I've got a tad of that myself. And so you can, you know, kind of get to this place of, oh, my gosh, I, I, I have to, you know, ask Holy Spirit about every choice. You know, should I have hot dogs or hamburgers for dinner? Um, you know, should I uh, sleep on my left side or my right side? No, that, that's not what they're saying. But whenever you discover that you're feeling bad, whenever, as, as, as Char's reading was saying, you're saying, I don't, li- you know, I don't like what I'm feeling. Help, take it away, which is essentially a position of, powerlessness looking for you know sort of some parent figure or king figure to make it better that that is an abdication of our responsibility Um, we can make it better ourselves but but again we don't make it better by working at the level of the effect or the consequence of our mental thoughts by trying to change something out in the world we make it better by going right to the source and saying if I'm feeling this way then you know clearly um, I, I, I'm no longer, you know, on the plan for the atonement. Um, let me step back and look at where I've chosen, and it is a choice, to be separate, where I've chosen my ego over the voice of guidance of the Holy Spirit, um, where I've chosen my body over the oneness of, of, of the sonship, that is, all of us. Um, when the Course says, you know, if you're using your body's vision, then, you know, you're, you're, you definitely have wandered off. This is a tough one because we all do use our body's vision, you know. Mm-hmm. When we get up in the morning and we look. I, 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 think, I think I would say to people, don't get too hung up on this. Just realize that if you start believing that what is happening is random and that you are a victim of the world you see and that either you have to, 
you know, like some action hero, take matters into your own hands and bang heads together and make it work on the one hand, or that you are absolutely helpless, the infantilized pole of it, and only, you know, some God who's so much bigger than you will have to step in and, and make it better for you and respond to your prayers, that both of those are demeaning the sense of self that is truly you and me uh, and everyone. So, you know, to make any situation better, Back to that healer's prayer. I'm here only to be truly helpful. I'm here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get dictation and, you know, exact words, uh, you know, but you'll get some sense of, uh, of guidance. You know, I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. That's a powerful one. You know, driving to work in the morning. I'm content to be wherever he wishes. How many people are content to be wherever they are in that moment. I call that radical acceptance. But it's not, again, about, well, God, you know, make me suffer, you know, give me a, give me a cross and nail me up. It's saying that you can apply the principle of the atonement wherever you are, and therefore, wherever you are, you're content to be because you can do healing, you can do forgiveness, exactly there you can be in the worst prison in the world in the black hole of calcutta and a you know some cia rendition facility uh, or you can be in the, the boardroom of uh, i don't know ibm it doesn't matter wherever you are that's where you start so i'm content to be wherever he wishes and i will be healed as i let him teach me to heal well they're one in the same the sonship is one you know, Shar and I, anyone listening now or in the future, everyone who's not listening, we are part of this one totality. And therefore, as we learn to heal, we are healing ourselves. Um, but, but, you know, again, I forget where I started on that tangent, but, uh, <laughs> but, but that, you can see why that particular prayer um, is so powerful. And notice, when I say prayer, I don't mean it as... Uh, you know, uh, 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 an asking for someone to give me something, it is owning responsibility. That prayer implies tremendous responsibility for what I'm feeling and what I'm seeing in the situation I'm in. It also happens to wake us up to, ah, here's how we get back on the, uh, on the bandwagon. Here's, here's how we get back on the road to, um, to happiness and joy and, and God. You know, here's how we get back with the tour. <laughs> Mm. I like I I have a, a thought to kind of support what you said where um I was imagining um situations that make us feel inconvenienced such as a traffic jam such as a detour so I wrote the note do not curse detours because that Beautiful. might be a miracle in in and of itself whereas you you take that detour perhaps you find an answer to something you've been praying for. Perhaps you find someone that needs help. Perhaps yes. you find something that inspires you. And so never curse a detour. Never lament an inconvenience. Because it might be a miracle where a traffic jam, if, you know, if you're sitting there, perhaps you were spared being in an accident. So, so yep. never always be grateful for a traffic jam in what it's preventing something bad that is preventing from happening in your life. Flip that around. And I just wanted to touch on, you know, physical sight. Yes, we're going to use it every day. But if you are not familiar with the course, and those of you who are, first thing I, I wanted to mention, 
before it slips my mind, is I consider myself not just a teacher of the course. I consider myself a student teacher of the course because I will always be a student. It may just be that I happen to teach, but I will always be a student. So I just wanted to throw that out. Um, the other thing is, and now I'm, I'm having one of those moments you just had, Dr. Bob. <laughs> Well, why don't you think about it, and I'm going to go back to traffic jams and detours for a moment. The uh -huh. reason why we want to accept wherever we are, and this is a tough one for me. I, I am not – detours I'm fine with. Oh, okay, you know, traffic jams I have more of a problem with. As long as I'm moving, I, I don't tend to, you know, get quite as antsy. But the point being, we – don't know what is, a, what is in our own best interest. So the traffic jam or the detour gets us upset because we think we are going to be delayed and therefore, you know, we are going to be late and that's shameful or what will people think of us or we're wasting time, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't, you know, again, if you sign up for this grand package vacation with everything taken care of, then your job is not to sit, you know, figure out what the menu is. Your job is just to uh, eat and share. So I'm content to be wherever he wishes. Literally, is just about you don't know where you're supposed to be. Um, you don't know the meaning of it. So chill, dude. Relax. Let go. And in that, I mean, imagine that you're sitting in a horrible traffic jam and you're going to be late for an interview for a job that you thought you needed, and you look over, and in the next car, there's a Course in Miracles student, and she's sitting there with her eyes closed with this beatific smile on her face. That now, would be me. Your ego <laughs> <laughs> that would be Charlie's me. Sitting there and You've she's seen got me that. smiling in there the traffic go. jam. There you go. There you go. So, you know, your ego might go, ugh, you know, look at but, hey, at some level, most of us are going to respond to that with, oh, yeah, that's an option. And now imagine that, you know, 10% of the people in that traffic jam, you know, that there's a whole chain of peace that happens from that one person doing that. Uh, and that eventually, um, you know, the preponderance of people there are that way. It may not do anything to relieve the traffic jam, but all of those people, when they finally get home, are going to be in a much better mood. They're not going to need to kick the dog. They're not going to need a glass of scotch. They're going to be a lot more pleasant to their spouse and kids. Um, that is healing, <laughs> You know, so, so again, if we're in a particular situation and we are teachers and students uh, of, of the curriculum of the Holy Spirit, then it's not up to us to judge uh, what classrooms we're being asked to go into. It's up to us to teach by the example of, 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 you know, the sole purpose of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. When we accept the atonement, we become a conduit for miracles. We won't recognize most of them. Uh, we don't need to, but they're going to go where they're needed. And in this way, the chain of atonement, the circle of atonement, as the Course calls it, um, is completed. You know, from seeming one piece to another to another, uh, we link and we recognize that we're all in the same contraption. We're all, you know, we all signed on for this, this virtual reality um, phantasmagoric nightmare world that every once in a while gives us something pretty to look at. I mean, I'm sitting here watching the sun shine through the leaves on the trees and thinking, yeah, you know, it's gorgeous. But you know what? Even that perception 
it's my perception and my love that makes it gorgeous because I could I could you know turn on the uh, internet and see that oh my god you know Putin went to war in the Ukraine or the stock market crashed 500 points today and suddenly I'm not noticing that beautiful sight it's what we bring to the world we are the healers if you are listening to this I guarantee you you are you are a healer um, and the readiness is going to match wherever you are. It doesn't have to be very much. Maybe it's just smiling at someone on an elevator. Maybe it's just, you know, holding your own peace in a situation where no one else at work has been able to do that. It doesn't matter. There's no order of difficulty in miracles. Um, there's no order of difficulty in being a healer. You, you, whatever situation you're in sets up for you to be the one who can bring through and channel that miracle, that peace. We're content to be wherever, you know, wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with us. We will be healed mm -hmm. as we let him teach us to heal. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that you were reading that section and went to that. I, I, I mean, you know, this is what I love about these kinds of uh, interviews and interactions is they can be spontaneous. They can, they can go in directions that neither one of us, you know, would have thought of ahead of time, yeah. which also we opens the door to Holy Spirit. We didn't plan any okay. of this. I haven't talked to you in a month. I said, hey, I'm talking to Tomi. Yep. yep, okay. <laughs> and, you know, yep. and, it, and it always works out best when we try not to structure too much because we both think alike in that regard, uh, in a state of preparedness but, yes. um, and, or a state of readiness. And I just want to touch on that before we um, move on to the last judgment. And speaking of last judgment, would you like to pick out some choice sentences from that section or do you want me to have what um, I just – Pilot. My my book is closed, and the only thing okay. I remember is you know the world will end in laughter because it was a place of tears or something like that. Um, yeah. But but yeah, you know uh, why don't you uh, you know pick two or three choice quotes and because okay. uh, that would be a, a lovely place to leave it. You know what I would say is you know instead of the last judgment being the projection of our ego onto God where he, because this God is absolutely a he, and he's pissed off, uh, and he's coming to teach you a lesson with, you know, with, with a switch that's bigger than any you know, whip or cane that you've ever seen, uh, and he wants to know if you've been naughty or nice, you know, not to bring you presents, but to consign you to hell or heaven. That vision, that vision has to go. I mean, there is no human parent who is as bad as the God of that last judgment. You know, it's like we're taking the worst of our humanity and projecting it onto God rather than taking the essence of God, which is the best of humanity, and, and, and attempting to choose to live up to that. So the Course's vision of the Last Judgment is truly a, uh, a, a welcome glass of water uh, in, in the desert of, you know, the religious upbringings that we've all, you know, had to slog through. So that said, um, yeah, if you've got... Um, a, you know, if you want to go there, or I think you said you had something else you wanted to do first. Oh, well, um, you know, listening to you, it's like, oh, there's this, and there's, oh, and I remembered <laughs> yeah. what I was, I remembered what, that, that thought that I lost, that, um, oh, the so brain cramps. Yeah. yeah, it was good, too, and it, which, you know, brain cramps make me mad. Um, <laughs> what, we were, I was talking about the physical eyes, don't believe anything you hear, and only half of what you see, and I say this, I grew up with that statement from my mom, but... I apply this to the ego because the ego will lie about what it's perceiving um, because that's, you know, perceiving uh, follows your belief. But what I had wanted to say is as you apply, whether you are new to the course or familiar, 
As you apply the principles and do the lessons in the course, you will strengthen your spiritual sight. You will no longer feel a need to trust your physical sight because spiritual sight is always perfect. And that is, was the kind of little nugget I wanted to present as to, well, how do I not trust what I see? So in actually doing the work and applying the principles, your sight will change and you will see the world in a different way. It's uh, truly magical. Yes, yes, yes. You know? So that's what I wanted to recapture Thank and you. present. Um, with regard to uh, readiness, it says in the section, uh, section 7 that readiness is a prerequisite to accomplishment. And confidence cannot develop fully until mastery has been accomplished. And I think that's a great point. Readiness is only the beginning of confidence. You may think this implies that an enormous amount of time is necessary between readiness and mastery. And and that's really not necessary. So when you when we declare to God or whoever you pray to, oh, you know what, I'm ready for whatever changes are necessary in my life, it's already done because you've expressed the willingness to receive those changes. So... Um, with regard to yeah. the, atone, uh, the atonement, the one I can't uh, quote it directly because I, I don't have exactly where that is uh, at the moment, but one of the purposes of the atonement is, is does say, and tell me, I'm paraphrasing, but in the end, once each of us reach that level of atonement, then that renders the need for time and space completely unnecessary. Yes. And, and then, you know, the final judgment, as we believe it to be, um, is frightening because it implies death of the physical body. And then this judgment, and this is what Course in Miracles has to say with regard to the last judgment. The last judgment is generally thought of as a procedure undertaken by God. Actually, it will be undertaken by my brothers with my help. It is the final healing rather than a meeting out of punishment however much you may think that punishment is deserved. Punishment is a concept totally opposed to right-mindedness, and the aim of the Last Judgment is to restore right-mindedness to you. The Last Judgment might be called a process of right evaluation. And in my metaphysical language, you know, what I tell my clients and my students is, you know, when we go to the other side, when we transition, we basically sit and watch a movie of our own life but not as not in terms of judgment, but in terms of correcting our mis- misperceptions while here, and get to see those experiences from a higher level, from the level of soul, and basically see, okay, I had this and this, this and this to learn, and here's my report card. But you embrace that for yourself. It's not something that God hits you with. And Bob, you want to add to that? Um. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I think the uh, concepts like last judgment, I think like so much of what the Course advocates, it's about undoing, not doing. And, um, you know, I always like the phrase, well, you know, that's, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Whenever we go to some thought of what is seemingly way in the future, uh, even though, as we've said, time is an illusion and, you know, the time it takes to accomplish something uh, really, you know, whether it's measured in seconds or eons really doesn't matter. Uh, The ego likes to get into that. Remember, the past and the future are sort of the realms of the ego. And so 
what I love about, you know, the Course's description of the Last Judgment is it is an undoing of the idea that is absolutely true for the ego that at the end of the road, what waits for you is death. If you identify with your ego, if you identify with your physical body, if you believe that that is all there is to you, and in your belief you have manifested, created a world that reinforces that for you so that miracles, they never happen to me. Um, you know, unusual phenomena, that never happens to me. I'm just a body slogging its way through life. Um, then indeed, when you look all the way ahead to the end of your life, you see death. And if you look all the way ahead to the end of, you know, humankind, you see the collapse of civilizations and the end of planet Earth. And if you're a physicist, you see the ultimate triumph of entropy and all energy winding down and, you know, everything sort of collapsing, uh, you know, um, in, in uh, yeah. Um, or, uh, you know, I'm thinking there's a Pope by the, uh, I mean, a poem by the English uh, writer uh, Alexander Pope from, I don't know, whatever it was, the 17th century that talks, I think he calls it the Dunciad, which is about, you know, the complete unwinding of the world is kind of the antithesis of God and his angels. That's what you're going to see because that's all the ego knows. The ego will die. You know, if you are attached to your personality and your body, um, good or bad, um, and the world that you've created in that, guess what? If you can't let it go, it will be ripped from you. Uh, but that's not the real you. And what you'll get to discover when it's all been ripped from you is, oh, there's still something left. There's consciousness. There's love. Mm -hmm. um, but many of us believe that if you haven't awakened to that realization in this lifetime, <clears throat> then sort of the, the, the momentum of what you had done in your previous life, what the uh, Hindus would call karma, is a drag and will pull you back so that you can work its way through, work your way through. But again, it's not punishment. It's, it's kind of like everyone gets a second chance and a third and as many chances as it, as it takes to, to finally, you know, wake up to reality. But so the last judgment, you know, yeah, in the ego's terms, it's always terrifying. It's about death. It's about calamity. It's the end of the world. Um, you know, the, uh, we're living in a time where, my gosh, the apocalyptic insanity is, is running amok. The idea that, that, you know, Jesus is going to come back, you know, with a sword and, you know, slay all the people who don't believe in him. I mean, is that really a vision of peace? Is that a vision that inspires one to love one's brother? Uh, or is that a vision locked in judgment? Uh, I, I would ask you to just consider for yourself, uh, not judging intellectually, but by how you feel. The Course's vision of the Last Judgment, yeah, the Last Judgment is really simply the judgment to accept atonement for ourselves. If we really have made that judgment, even though we might lapse, we are on the road to salvation. It's inevitable. Uh, and even those who haven't made that are on the road to salvation. They're just, you know, starting. They, ha they haven't taken the first step yet. Um, and uh, at some point they will. And maybe it's your job to wake them up with some miracle if you're so guided um but it but but it's not you don't the ego again can get in and say yes let's take the course everywhere i mean i've seen people say well why isn't the course better known or why isn't your book dr bob better known you know you really should market it i can't 
it's not the way I work. I, I can't hire a publicist and get on radio shows and talk it up unless it's guided. Shar and I, th this came because she found me and I knew it was right, and so we're doing this. Um, you know, if you're following that path of guidance, of, of, of you know, of, of stepping back and letting God, Holy Spirit, the Christ lead the way, then you'll know. Is it an effort? Is there resistance? Uh, if so, then, then there's got to be a better way. So the last judgment, yeah, it's the one that you make that says, I'm really tired of being frustrated, sick, unhappy, and ultimately being afraid that I'm going to die, and everyone I know and love is going to die at some point too, um, and I want a better way. You know, I know we're over time, but I remember very distinctly okay. lying, lying in my bed at age, I don't know, seven or eight, where I really had first come upon an awareness of death and having this thought of, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm not going to be here at some point. And my mommy and daddy are going to die. And, and my brother and sister are going to die and everything. And it was just, I mean, it was like devastating. It was cavernous. Mm -hmm. And at the time, of course, I didn't know how to get around that. Um, now I can look at that and think about that and realize, yeah, you know, uh, an immature mind that, that didn't have enough experience to know better, uh, that's where it goes. But many of us as adults are, are, are still trapped in that, in that belief system. That's mm -hmm. not God. God's yeah. last judgment is you will be happy and joyous because I created you that way. And who are we to undo what God created? Literally, who are we? <laughs> right on, Dr. Bob. All right. <laughs> who are we? <laughs> who are, we? <laughs> who are <Right>. you? <laughs> Don't you tell me. <laughs> I would recommend yep. everybody read this chapter, especially with respect to extending versus projection. We can only extend love, compassion, and forgiveness. We can only project fear, hatred, and misunderstanding. So these are very good sections to really dig into, and if you have any questions, feel free. Come hang out with us on Facebook. We do check yeah. our pages. I know we're both busy, but ask, our, ask us questions. We can address it in future segments. Maybe Dr. Bob could write an article. Yeah. Um, I would like to, you know, ask everybody, just come by our Facebook pages, uh, like like our pages, show some support. That would be awesome. Um, Dr. Bob's page is, of course, From Plagues to Miracles, and mine naturally is Spiritual Insights. Uh, you could stop by, say hello, whatever you like to do. But I also want to congratulate Dr. Bob on a very successful talk at oh, the Miracle Distribution Centers Conference. Yay. Yeah, that and that well. will be... Um, they will have that available. They had a massive technological collapse where they were planning to stream the conference, and the day before, their software really died, and they were not able to do that. So many, many people who I know who had been planning to tune into that were not able to. Um, but I am told that all the talks were at least recorded and will be available. Um, it was, I mean, it was all the talks were good. Everyone offered something. Um, mm -hmm. I gave some different ways of looking at forgiveness, some of which I think I've also offered here, but going into more detail. And, uh, and you know, maybe we'll come back to that and, you know, uh, revisit forgiveness from, from the perspective of a few more metaphors that I've come up with uh, since the last time we looked at it. But thanks, oh, Sharp, yeah. for mentioning that. 
Sure. There, and there's another metaphor uh, you mentioned in, uh, maybe two shows ago, two of our segments ago, and that, and I've been using that. And it really helps me in conveying um, energetics to my listeners. You had said in that segment, we build a vibrational escrow. And mm. I look at that as, you know, your thoughts, your beliefs, your deeds. It's like having an energetic bank account and you make deposits in the form of negative beliefs, negative self-concepts, and victimhood, you know, that us and them separative belief system. And you make these investments, and then the return on your investment is your life experience. And I love the term vibrational escrow. Let your vibrational escrow be made of one, be made of love and forgiveness and service to humanity in whatever form that may take. And guaranteed, you will see a life of peace. Guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as saying, as you sow, so shall you reap, you know. I mean, what you put out, that's what you're going to get back. The seeds mm-hmm. you put in the soil, they have to grow in terms of what they are, you know. You can't plant mm-hmm. corn seeds and expect to get wheat or soybeans, um, you know. So, so, again, you know, teach love in order to know love. Yeah. Uh, and as the Course would put it, teach only love, for that is what you are. Yes. And just as a reminder to those who've heard me say it before, that fertile soil that Dr. Bob is talking about is the subconscious mind. It is incapable, according to the Course, of telling the difference between fact and fiction. So whatever you plant in it, it will say, okay, I'll I'll manifest this. So if it's a belief in abandonment, that is what you will attract. And get into that concept so that you can better monitor your thoughts and quickly recognize that was a thought that will miscreate. I retract that statement. I pull that weed up, and I replant positive truth as I understand it to be. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. That's great. All right. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, we do that not out of fear, but just out of awareness of, yeah, you know, that, that was a reflection of my ego. And, I mean, in a sense, that process is choosing once again. Hmm. Nice way to come full circle. Beautiful way to go. All right, so we'll do <laughs> this. Uh, let's do this again in a month. How about that? Or, or the second Thursday of September. I don't know what date that is, um, but, uh, you know, see. I two, love this. It would be the 11th. It's September 11th. It's 9-11. Wow. 9-11. I, all right, so we can cook up something special for 9-11, I think. Uh, I you think know. we can. You know, that, that, that yeah. sounds like it's going to tell us, that, that predetermines what that show is going to be about. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. If I may, I would like to end with a section of the book that you actually got me for my birthday last year. Choose oh. Once Again. Yes. Sections, selections from A Course of Miracles. So there's the Choose Once Again reference. Isn't that funny? I love it. I was smiling as you said that, and then, and then you know I turned the book over, and I was like, "How funny is this?" You you mentioned that in the beginning. You you brought it full circle, and now I I selected a passage from that. If we could end the show on that. Perfect. Let's do that. Okay. And this is on page seventy-three. I have a kingdom I must rule. At times, it does not seem I am its king at all. It seems to triumph over me and tell me what to think and what to do and feel. And yet it has been given me to serve whatever purpose I perceive in it. My mind can only serve. Today, I give it service to the Holy Spirit to employ as he sees fit. 
I thus direct my mind, which I alone can rule, and thus I set it free to do the will of God. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you once again, Dr. Bob, and thank you everyone for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time. You okay? Yep. Okay. All right. Amen. I'll talk to you soon. I, you know, amen, amen sounds like a great place to have ended it. <laughs> yeah, I see. Okay. All right, everyone. That is our script for today. Until yep. next time, God bless and be at peace.